Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from Jesus Christ our Savior too, to all of you who are here, to all of you who are worshiping at home or wherever you are. The Bible often speaks specifically to one group or another. For example, the Bible can speak specifically to husbands and say, here's what it's like to really, truly really love your wife. Or the Bible can speak just to the wives and say, wives, here's what it means uh, for you with your husband. Or kids, sometimes the Bible speaks just to you. It talks just to widows sometimes. And today, there are a couple verses that are aimed to people who are rich. So if I'm going to preach a sermon to you today, what do I say to people who are rich? It's not just me, though. It's the Apostle Paul and the Holy Spirit who is inspiring him. I suppose, before I get into it, then, the question for you is, does this apply to you? Uh, are you? Are you rich? It probably depends on who you compare yourself to. I'm guessing everybody here today could look out and find somebody who is better off than you are, who has more than you do. You can probably find people who have a lot less than you do. The reality is, for us as Americans, many of us are in the top 10% of people all over the globe in terms of what we have and what we can afford. Uh, and I look at my life, and I know for many of you, it's amazing how much, how much stuff I have. And if I wanted to today, if I needed to, I could go out and get more stuff. I have, I have resources. So what would you say if someone came to you and said, what does the Bible have to say to a Christian who also happens to be rich? Answer you're going to see in the Apostle Paul is that the life we have in faith, Jesus Christ is our Savior, shapes everything about us, including this area of our life, and it shapes us from the inside out. The first verse, Paul talks about how God shapes the heart of someone who's rich, and then talks about how God shapes what happens on the outside if, if that heart has been changed. So, let's, let's put up on the screen, here's the first verse. This was verse 17. Whether you look there or in your worship folder, if you've got a device, you can have a Bible open there. But look with me at this verse. What does God say to those who are rich when it comes to the attitude of the heart? Paul wrote this. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. The first big thought today is this. Where do you put your hope? If things are falling apart in your life, if you need something to come in and save you, where are you going to turn? If you look at your life in the big picture and say, what is it that gives my life purpose and meaning? What am I going to devote my life to? What is it that you put your hope in for what your life is all about? Paul says there are two choices. You could put your hope in your wealth, or you could put your hope in God. And the first message Paul has for people who are rich is this. Put your hope in God and not in your wealth. And he described both sides. So let's, let's look at the wealth side first. What would happen if you would put your hope in your wealth? If you look at that verse, Paul has a couple words that talk about what the result would be. First word he picks is this could very easily lead you to arrogance. If who you are and what your life is about, if your hope is in your money, then it's very easy to value yourself and others in terms of the same. 
And if you are next to somebody who in life looks like a failure and is poor and doesn't have what you have, you would then say, I am better than they are and have that kind of arrogance. Or it can work in reverse too. If on the other side you see somebody who's way better off than you are, much more successful than you are, to say, what a loser I am. Uh, how horrible I am that I don't measure up to what that person is and what that person has. And that can carry over into our life with God. If we value the things in this world, if, if our self-worth comes from what we have, then if you have a lot, it'd be very easy to say to God, I don't need you because I already have the thing that I'm hoping for. Oh. The other thing Paul says is that if you put your hope in wealth, that's really, really uncertain. And you know that, right? Stuff in this world can come and go. Uh, I, when I was thinking about what that's like, I'm a child of the 90s, so I think of like America's Funniest Home Videos. And you can have a whole string of videos where one after another, it's people who stand on something they shouldn't stand on, and there's no way they can support their weight. Or when I was watching one of these, there was a whole bunch of them where somebody installed one of those home pull-up bars in the doorway. And maybe it was their own fault for not putting it in right, but then they jump on this thing and the look on their face of total surprise when they, it gives way and they fall flat on their back, they, they look on their face and says, I never expected that to happen. When you watch the video, you know exactly what's, what's going to happen. And Paul says it's the same way if you put your hope in your wealth, that is so uncertain it can give way. Do you really want to put the weight of all your hope in your life on, on that? You maybe have experienced this, or you know somebody where the thing that they cared about most in life, it collapsed, it went away, whether that was a thing or a person, and how that, whole, that person's whole life then seemed like it was going to fall apart. And even if it's not at that point for you, if your hope is in stuff in this world, that can make you live in fear because you know that things could change and everything that you're hoping in could go away. Paul says, don't, don't put your hope in your wealth. That is, so, that is so uncertain. Instead, Paul says, put your hope in God. And here's where I'm hoping you can think through the whole Bible and, and know how God is different than, than stuff about wealth in this world. God loved you so much, he was willing to come to this world on Christmas and live for you. He, he died on the cross and took away all your sins. He rose from the dead and gives you life in heaven. And every promise that God ever made in his word, you can count on it. God's word always comes true. Stuff in this world is uncertain. God and his word are certain. But Paul, when he's writing this, if you look at that verse again, he doesn't focus so much on Christ as our Savior here, even though that's very true, that's at the heart of our Christian faith. He focuses on God as the one who provides. Put your hope in God who provides. And then Paul adds words. He says, God provides you with everything. Maybe not everything that you ever might want in life, but will God provide you with everything that you need? God's promise is, yes, he will. And, and Paul says, God provides you everything very richly. Not like the stingy person who gives you just enough to say they gave you something. God generously pours out all these blessings on us. And the last line of this says, why did God do all that? It's because he wants you to enjoy the blessings that he showers on you in life for our enjoyment. 
In my devotions this week, I've been reading through the book of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament. It's a book that talks a lot about how to find enjoyment even when it seems like the rest of life is meaningless and a lot of things are frustrating. And the book of Ecclesiastes says, this is one of the great ironies in life. If you have someone who's richly blessed and has so many things, but isn't able to actually enjoy it. The book of Ecclesiastes says, a blessing from God is not just having stuff, it's that God blesses someone when they're able to enjoy to enjoy it too. Here's, here's Ecclesiastes 5, verses 19 and 20. When God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot in life and to be happy in their toil, this is a gift of God. They seldom reflect on the days of their life because God keeps them occupied with gladness of heart. Paul here connects that with putting your hope in God. If your hope is in your stuff, then your stuff could let you down, and it'd be very easy to say, there's something else I need in life. But when your hope is in God, and you have Christ as your Savior, and you have heaven coming for you, then the other things in your life, including your wealth, don't have to bear that burden. They can't support that. Instead, God is your hope, God is your joy, and then all your stuff can be in the place where it's meant to be. To be something God gave you to bring some joy to your life and to use as then you serve other people. And that's where the next verses go, because God shapes, first of all, our attitude in our hearts, and then he shapes what's on the outside. So when it comes to our hearts, Paul would say, here's what you should tell somebody who's rich. The first thing you tell them is, put your hope in God and not in, not in your wealth. Uh, let's go on and see what Paul says next. So now it's, it's not so much on the inside, it's how does this shape on the outside? So here's verses 18 and 19. Command them, the, talking to people who, again, people who are rich, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. The main thought here is there are different ways to be rich, and having wealth in this world is just one of them. Uh, if you would, you'll put up on the screen the, the next chart. The way Paul described it here, really, there are only four kinds of people in the world. And sure, people fall all over on the spectrum between rich and poor, but Paul could boil it down just to this. There are people who are either poor or rich in stuff and wealth in this world. And then there are people who are poor or rich in their faith in God, and then being rich in good deeds is how he puts it here in 1 Timothy chapter 6. So with that combination, that leaves four different options. And maybe as I go through these, you can think of somebody where you know they fit in this category, or maybe you at different stages of your life have, have gone through these. Person A is poor in this physical world. They have very, very little. And they are also dirt poor in their relationship with God. In faith in Christ and in a life of being rich in good deeds. That, that is not, they are not rich at that at all. I don't know that anybody envies that kind of person who says, that's my role model in life. Uh, that would be person A. Person B is somebody who in this world is very poor. They have very, very little. And yet, they have discovered that hidden treasure of Christ Jesus as their Savior. 
And even though they can't do it with much money because they don't have much money, they do use what they have in life to love God and love the people around them. They are rich when it comes to faith and a life of, of good deeds. That's person B. Person C, now we're flipping the, the earthly side of it. Now you've got somebody who's rich in this world. They've got, they've got everything, and yet they are very, very poor uh, in their life with God. Faith in Christ, either very weak or, or lacking. Uh, life of serving other people is, isn't there. Fourth person, person D, would be someone who's rich in this world and rich in faith and in their life with God. So again, no one wants to be person A. Some of you today might honestly say you're person B. And if that's you, then there's a whole other sermon, other sections of the Bible that speak to where you're at in life. And the message simply is this. Don't let that make you give up hope or think that you're nobody or don't matter. God loves you, and you have what really matters when you have found Jesus Christ, because there's a third column. Paul here says there's being rich in this world, but then there's also a life to come. And even if you've got nothing here, if you are rich in Christ Jesus, then you will have heaven forever. You'll be rich in the then. But again, the focus today is not on people who are poor in this world. The focus is on people who are, are rich. And so what Paul would say is, I hope you're not satisfied being person C. Because an awful lot of people are. An awful lot of people see the here and now in this world as all that exists. They, they either are blind to or they don't want to think about there being a then, an age to come. And so they say, if I have everything here and now, that is everything I need. Why would I need God? They are very, very poor when it comes to a life of, of faith and a life of love. But Paul says, he hopes you recognize that there is not just a now, there is also a then. There is life now, and then there is what Paul says is is truly life. So if you would go back to that passage again, verses 18 and 19, and you can see how Paul writes about that in, in the second half of this section. Paul says there are people who not only are rich in material possessions in this world, but who also recognize Jesus Christ, and they know him as their Savior, and they have their hands on, they, they lay hold of a life that truly is life. You see, there's a life in this world that lasts, what, 70, 80 years? For some people, it's a lot shorter. For some people, it's a bit longer. But then, there's what's truly life, a life that goes on and on forever. There, there's a life in this world which, yes, God gives us things we enjoy. There's a lot of good in this life, but there's also a lot of evil, a lot of sin, a lot of things that tear your heart. There's also a life to come where sin is gone and everything is perfect. There's a life here and now where already God reveals himself. It's, it's like he's in a mirror. We see him reflected in his word. We see him reflected in this world. But it's not like it's going to be someday. What's truly life is when we'll see God face to face. Paul says, the first thing you tell the people rich is, 
Put your hope in God, not in your stuff and your wealth. Second thing is, don't just be rich in the stuff. Be rich in good deeds and in your faith. Lay hold of what is truly life in Christ Jesus. I mentioned Ecclesiastes before. There books of the Bible, like Proverbs, too, they're called wisdom literature in the Old Testament. What's common there is it'll portray two opposite people. You've got the wise man and the fool. You've got the person who doesn't care about God and the person who does care about God. And this section in, in 1 Timothy reminded me of that. So let me close today by describing two different people. First person is, is rich. Everybody can recognize it in, in how they live their life. And yet this person doesn't know God and hasn't put their hope in God. This person's hope is in their wealth and in their stuff. And because of that, their self-worth is wrapped up in that. This is how they judge themselves versus others. If they are more successful and more wealthy than others, then they are better than that person. If somebody else is more wealthy, more successful, then they feel, then they feel rotten. And this person has everything, and yet because because they know that it's so shaky, that it's so uncertain, there's always a fear that something could happen to take it all away. The stock market could crash. They could lose their health and not enjoy any of it. And so there is there's a fear that even though they have so much, it could all come to nothing. And yes, they enjoy it sometimes, but because, because it's all wrapped up in that, there's something else they're looking for. There isn't a full enjoyment of a full enjoyment of life. And, and this person, because God's in their heart, they're all full of themselves. And so everything they do is, in the end, in some way, a little bit selfish, or not so much a little bit selfish. And so you give that person a whole lot of money, and maybe that person doesn't do anything to help other people. They just say, this is all mine. Or maybe that person does do what outwardly looks good, but in the end, it really is just to feed their own ego, saying, now I can feel even better about myself. Now I hope you feel, you, you, you think good things about me. Somebody who in this world is fabulously wealthy and yet spiritually is dirt poor. And when that person lies in their casket, they leave this world with absolutely nothing. Paul says, that is not who God has called you to be as his child. That's not why he washed away your sins in the waters of baptism. That's not why he sent his son for you to be wrapped up in this world and putting your hope in your stuff. No, Paul says, if, if somebody's rich, tell them these two things. Put your hope in God, not in your wealth, and be rich also in your faith and in your, in your life of, of good works. But that means there's the other person too, right? Imagine this other person who also is very, very rich. And yet that's not where their hope is. Through the work of the Holy Spirit, they know Jesus Christ and have faith in Him. And so their hope is in, in God. And so even though they have a lot, and other people might not, this person knows that their status before God has nothing to do with how much money they have or how much stuff they have. And so, when they stand before God, and somebody else who's a total failure and has nothing stands before God, they're the same. 
Sinners who have been justified by God's grace in Christ Jesus. So why would I be arrogant toward, toward them? Because we're, we're, we're both the same before God. And someone who also has a humility before God recognizes I need, I need him. And somebody who, if the stuff in their life falls apart and all crumbles, would that be really hard? Well, yeah, it would be hard, but would they lose everything? No, because what's at the heart of their life is a hope in, in God, not in, in stuff. And the kind of person who then is able, honestly, to just enjoy life. Not feeling this urge to have to get more and more, not feeling the fear of what if I would lose it, but with hope in God, honestly being able to enjoy the life that God has given. And this person, uh, driven not by self but by God, you give them a lot of money, what are they going to do with it? Uh, they are going to let it amplify what would have been a life of good anyway. Even if this person was poor, they still would have said, I want to serve God and other people, but you take that kind of heart and give that person money and resources, and all of a sudden now, it's going to amplify what they're able to do in this world. If they didn't have it, maybe they could serve, serve, serve these people, but by giving people more resources, God allows that person to then be a blessing to their family, and a blessing to their church, and a blessing to their world. Not because it's all about this world and this life. This person has laid hold of the life that truly is, is life. And when that person is lying in a casket in the front of their church, with their life is over, did they leave behind an awful lot of stuff? Yeah, they did, but on that day, they received far, far more because they are rich in the kingdom of heaven. Forgiven in Christ Jesus, part of God's family, having a life there. So, put your hope in God, not in your stuff. Be rich in good deeds and in your faith, not just in this world. That, Paul says, is what you tell somebody who's Christian and rich. Amen.